Thank you, Father, for the honour it's been to study your word over the last few weeks, getting ready for this message. Thank you that you are indeed in control at the moment, at this point in history. And thank you for the gift of the technology that we have to be able to meet and still worship you together this way. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had a week or a month where it seems that the world has just gone crazy? We are all having responses, different responses to the global COVID-19 pandemic. Some of us are worried, some are scared, others will be feeling more lonely than usual, others will be glad of time at home. Others know that they are going to go crazy if they have to stay at home with the kids. And through it all, people will be asking about all kinds of reasons why they have to do things one way or another. Well, I'm not going to get into my perspective on all that's going on, but we are going to look at God's ultimate purpose through this time in history. As with all times in history, that he desires us to praise him. With all that we are, to remember to act with love towards one another and that he loves us and he is in control. Let's turn to Psalm 103 and I'm reading from uh, the NIV. Psalm 103 of David. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. <clears throat> As for man, his days are like grass. His, he flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will, 
Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. When I was growing up in Diamond Creek in the northeastern suburbs of Melbourne, I spent some part of every Sunday at Diamond Valley Baptist Church. I did Sunday school there, I went to Boys Brigade there, I did youth group and eventually youth leading. And for the most part, I loved it, and I am grateful to God for all the people he used to pour blessings into my life. But I especially remember that from the time I was a little kid, I loved the singing. I loved singing songs to God. I loved being part of praise and worship times. I would sing out loud and long and hard, and if you've ever sat in front of me in church when I'm singing loud and long and hard, you know what I'm talking about. I would sing praise with all that I was. And there's a sort of sweet perfection in really good praise and worship. You're focusing on what God has done for you, how much you enjoy what he's done, how great his works are, and you know that you love him, you love his presence, and you know that for that 15, 20, 25 minutes of singing, you're doing what God wants you to do. And for an, ades- and for an adolescent male who understands God's standards of holiness, that's really saying something. I was also struggling with, with, at that time with self-absorption and my own adolescent version of self-isolation and self-loathing, and those, but those 15 to 20 minutes of worship were about the only time I could get where I could let go of that and enjoy God without getting in my own way. So as I come to Psalm 103, I know where David is coming from. I know the desire to really worship God with all that you are, and the longing that you get, sorry, and the longing that you could get out of your own way and worship God like that in everything that you do. And Psalm 103 is really made for worship and praising God. The Psalm even reads, a bit like a worship leader putting together a really great worship set. First, call everyone to praise God with all that they are. Then we're going to sing about God's great promises, what David has experienced as covenant promises to Moses and to himself, and what we experience as the promises of God through Christ. Then we have to sing a song about how God forgives our sins for For David, that was through the sacrificial system. For us, it's through Jesus' death on the cross. And don't forget that we trust God for our healing. We need a song that talks about how God overcomes the grave. For David, it means his years will not be cut short. And for us, it means we also don't fear death because we will be with God. Then we need a song about God's love and compassion and about how he gives us good things to satisfy us. Most importantly, that he gives us himself and that he will satisfy us with all that he is. And then he extends our life. He renews our youth. David has God's personal word to him 
that he will have a full, long life. For us, we sing, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, there's no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And we'd better have another song about God's love after that, in case people forget. And then one that contrasts our weakness with God's strength, our tiny earthly existence with his unending eternal existence. And we need a song about God's righteousness, where we're encouraging one another to keep following God's commandments and keep his covenant because his love, because of his love for us and because we love him. And then we'll finish with a big praise session where we call everyone back to praising God, where we acknowledge that God's ways are above our ways and though we don't understand everything that's going on in our lives, we remind ourselves that God still deserves our praise and that he is in control and that we should praise him with all that we are. But David knows and we know that there is much more to praising God with all that we are than just a really awesome Sunday morning concert full of God songs. If my first 20 years of praising God were about full-on, sing-out, God-loving worship in church, the last 20 years have been about growing in my knowledge of God in His Word and how I worship God through applying His Word rightly to my life so that my worship for God overflows in love for others. This has been very much a stop-start process, stunted by times of depression, stifled by busyness, tiredness, and the other difficulties that life throws at us, all of which can stop us finding our joy in God. Even though I've been growing in my knowledge of God over the last 20 years, through much of this time, I have had times where I really struggled to sing out loud and long and hard like I had in my childhood and teenage years. And maybe you can relate to that. There have been many worship songs that I have come across where I really stumbled over the lyrics now that I know more and more about God. Now, I'm a grammar nerd and a misplaced apostrophe in a paper or pamphlet that is published for public presentation, really does my head in. And I also love alliteration. But this is nothing compared to the wound that I feel when a song that is meant to be part of a worship set has a lyric which turns my attention away from God's glory onto myself, or that somehow misses the heart of seeing God's glory. And that's on top of whatever life challenges I might be facing coming into the service. I know there are people who can hear every wrong chord or mistimed entry during worship and that this interrupts their flow of worship. But for me, it's every misrepresented idea of God's love, God's worth, and sometimes just a badly worded lyric. These are very real stumbling blocks for me which interrupt my enjoyment of God in the moment and distract me from praising God. And sometimes, sometimes people downplay it or say something like, but, you know, God knows your heart. But I think, 
but it's from the overflow of my heart that my mouth speaks. And if I say something that's contrary to God's word, or which wrongly emphasizes the fact of my relationship with God, or encourages someone else to have a wrong view of God, I might eventually retrain my heart not to care about the content of what we say to God and about and what we say about God, and I would miss the mark when it comes to worshipping God. And that is a scary place to be. It is my heart's desire that we would worship God not just with great music, but with clear and solid and good biblical ideas of who He is. But as much as I might stumble over the way a lyric is written, it's clear that there are other things that are about our praise that don't just interrupt it, but that can turn it away from being worship into something that's tarnished. What then can seriously interrupt our worship? What could turn the best, seemingly heartfelt worship experience into a stumbling block in our relationship with God? David gives us the answer in verses 17 and 18 of Psalm 103. If we are not in the relationship that God, sorry, if we are not in the relationship with God that David describes here, our worship will be catastrophically flawed. In verses 17 and 18, David says, But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. This is a mysterious statement to the cultures outside of the church, and it may be to you as well, but it is amazingly good for those of us who know God this way. But how does it work that God has love for those who fear him? And how can those who fear God actually be experiencing His love? Surely the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. The problem here is that you can't use the Bible to deny what the Bible says and somehow turn it against itself and choose one, one version over the other. And the term fear of God is used many times through Scripture as a good thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We have to give the Bible writers credit that they knew what they meant when they made difficult or tricky statements. Whenever you come across a tricky statement like this, it's important not to panic. Don't hoard Bible commentaries. Just look at the text and see what the words mean in the context they're in. Because words change their meanings depending on how they're used. To help explain this, I want you to know that in the Psalms, the Psalmists use what are called literary devices. A literary device is not a device for reading literature, like an Amazon Kindle, an e-reader or an iPad. A literary device is the name for how we use words in expressive ways and not with just their simple meanings. 
It can be like a metaphor such as, he is a pig when he eats. It doesn't mean that he is a pig, but we say that he is a pig. It gives us a different flavour of image. We can use a simile, he eats like a pig. The Psalms have lots of little anthropomorphisms in, the, in there, and that's a long word, anthropomorphism. It means where you give something that isn't human the features of a human, like the trees of the fields clap their hands. But in the case of Psalm 119, we're going to look at how David uses a couplet. Couplets are very common in the Psalms. A couplet is a way of linking two ideas so that they complement one another or contrast with one another or give us more information. Sometimes it's where the second idea magnifies the first idea. Just for an example, look at Psalm 103 verse 1. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, is one idea. All my inmost being praise his holy name. This phrase restates the same idea in different words to clarify what David is saying and strengthen the idea that he wants to praise God with all that he is. The phrase, my inmost being, pairs up with the word soul and praise the Lord pairs up with praise his holy name. You can see how they strengthen and clarify that idea. Now, the couplet I want to focus on is the one here in verses 17 and 18, where David shows us what our relationship with God needs to look like so that our worship is not spoiled. David says, But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. There are two couplets here, but in each couplet you can see two statements which link up with a statement in the other couplet. The Lord's love is with, pairs up with, his righteousness with. But who is his love and righteousness with? There's another pair of statements. Those who fear him and their children's children's, sorry, their children's children, those who keep his commandments and remember to obey his precepts. So I've written that down wrong. It's those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The word and links these two groups to be one in the same. Those people that God's love is with are those same people who his righteousness is with. And those people who fear God are those people who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. So here, in Psalm 103, to fear God means that you keep God's covenant and obey his commandments. But it also means that his love and his righteousness are with you. It's not a fear that makes you scared, but maybe 
It's because God is so good, so big, so mighty, and so holy that you realize that, there, that you are as nothing before him, and that makes you tremble. When I was working in Taiwan, sometime before Anastasia was born, my eldest daughter, I remember a two-week period when I was walking around with a tremendous sense of awe at God's sovereignty over my life. I had been in, t- in a couple of scooter accidents in the time I was in Taiwan, and I had witnessed several other scooter accidents, at least one of which was certainly fatal. And at some stage, I realized that at any point in time, by any means, my life could be taken. A mishap, an accident, and gone. At the same time, I realized that this would not be an injustice to me because God is the righteous judge of the universe. And I am not entitled to my life. My life was given to me by Him, and He has determined how many days my life will be. I knew that it would mean pain for Joe and my family and friends, but I I also knew that pain does not mean God is less loving, or good, or kind, or less holy. And it is often through pain that God works on our character. I also knew that wonderful godly people have been cut short in life for no reason we can think of other than the reasons God knows. At the same time, I was filled with the confidence that God loved me and had good plans for me. So with all these ideas swimming around in my head, I walked around for two weeks totally in awe of God. I taught my classes, I did church, met up with friends, but the whole time I was in a place of complete worship and increasing joy in God. It was fearful and wonderful. I saw something of the heights of God's righteousness and the depths of his love to me in a way that made me gloriously afraid. It felt like standing in the eye of a tornado of holiness and goodness and sovereign control, and I didn't want to be anywhere else. It is this kind of joyful, wondrous, awestruck, God-loved fear of God that makes following His commandments and keeping His covenant seem like the easiest thing in the world. And David is concerned that he would follow God's commandments, that he would keep his covenant, that he would stay in this relationship of blessing with God, that he would continue to follow God's covenant promises and live the righteous, God-loved life he wants to live. And David wants this for God's people. And God wants this for us. I want this for myself. But what does it mean to do this today in 2020 in the most, sorry, in the midst of COVID-19 restrictions, health worries for the most vulnerable in our community, economic upsets, uncertain financial situations, and kids, (coughs) and kids with nothing left to colour on 
except for the walls. I have three of them. (laughs) For David, it meant meditating and obeying God's law through Moses. In fact, the psalm itself is a meditation on God's covenant promises found in the law of Moses. For us, who have the law of Moses fulfilled in Jesus, it means meditating on the whole word of God and how it is fulfilled in Christ and joyfully obeying Jesus' commands of love. To love God with all our heart, all our soul and all our strength. To love our neighbours as we love ourselves and to love one another as he has loved us. And this is not a goopy, sickly, sweet kind of love, but the kind of love that earnestly desires that which is best for each other. A kind of love that is willing to make sacrifices so we can give each other what is best. The kind of love that moved God to send Jesus because what was best for us was a restored relationship with God no matter the cost. And we can praise God through all of this because He is in control. We may not like what we have to go through. Our plans for 2020 may have to change a lot more than we ever thought they would a couple of months ago. There are going to be things that come along that distract us from God's goodness to us in this time. But he is still good. He is still God. Our lives are a gift from him and we can know his love and righteousness in our lives as we respond to his gifts to us in Christ in praise and worship. And in praise and worship that overflows in love for one another. In the last few years, I have found myself in some very difficult places in many areas of my life. I had to give up teaching because I was getting more work in traffic control and because it was far less taxing mentally and emotionally than trying to teach and look for more permanent teaching work and deal with Centrelink requirements. And I was probably also depressed and not really aware of it because I was just white-knuckling life trying to hold on to what I wanted for my life, which was to be in the classroom. So I ended up in traffic control, and that was hard. The work is harder than it looks. It requires a lot of mental fortitude to pay attention all day to changing traffic conditions on the Prince's Highway or the Great Ocean Road, often without proper brakes, and to be ready to see a situation and just jump out of the way if things go wrong as well as trying to contact everybody else at the same time. Um, Some of the guys and girls out there doing that job are absolute legends. But wondering if I was ever going to get back to doing some kind of teaching left me just aching inside and on some days even in tears. Because there was a part of me that saw my value to myself and to others in the job that I did. 
but through changing me and shoving me into traffic control, God never left me. I came to a place where I stopped looking at myself through the lens of what job I do or what education I have or what position I have in our community. And this is where you might expect me to say that I started looking at myself the way God sees me, but that's not where God took me. See, in fact, as helpful as that is and as necessary as it is to know ourselves according to what God says is true of us in Christ, that's not where God took me. I'd learned about all of that before I was out of youth group. It sits in the background of my mind But because of my introspective, inward-looking nature and my ability to get self-absorbed, I have to be really careful about focusing on myself. The place God took me to through two and a half years of traffic control was a place where I could stop looking at myself but just enjoy Him. I am just Matthew Coop. All the things God says about who I am in Christ are true, and they're true for you as well. But I am also just Matthew Coop, standing before God, and God is Lord of all. His promises are wonderful. His word is truth. His love is from everlasting to everlasting. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for me, so that I might see his glory and I want to focus on him and his glory. As I've been getting used to this new reality of life in traffic control and life focused more on God, he has pulled the rug out from under me again. Last year, I finished up the year on the road closure on the Colac Forest Road where I saw only maybe a dozen or so cars a day As I was passing the day there, I began thinking about getting back into teaching. Maybe in working in teaching English, maybe making some online content. I began to get a bit excited by the prospect. I thought, maybe in 2020, once Joe and Aurora, who was only a month old at the time, once they're settled back into a routine, I could pull back from traffic control for maybe a day a week and work on this idea. So I talked to Joe about it over Christmas and she was pretty positive and supportive. After the Christmas New Year period and the gearing up phase around the construction industry getting back to normal, I find myself on a really good job with 60, 70 hour weeks, which means the money's not too bad for traffic control. I was thinking this would be good. This would set us up for my plans for later in the year. After one week, I came down with what turned out to be a viral inner ear infection which left me with vertigo. Physically, I kind of felt fine, but from my perspective, the world seemed to be spinning out of control. It took weeks to work out what the problem was and to see a specialist who said that there was really not much to do except wait for it to go away on its own. But he couldn't really give me a whole lot of insight as to when that would be. That meant that for about a month I couldn't drive. 
Um, it meant I couldn't do traffic control because you can't stumble in front of traffic while you're trying to stop them. Aside from the danger, it's against the code of practice. Um, at the same time, people had been starting to talk to me about teaching English again. It was really weird, and it seemed to have God's hand all over it. Within a week, I found a course in Melbourne, and for the last five weeks, I've been studying to get my Australian qualifications to teach English to adult speakers of other languages. Back where I love to be in the classroom. What's my point here? When God wants to work on your character, he takes his time. Sometimes it takes a long time. It often involves shaking things up and it can hurt. It's okay that it hurts. When he wants to change your situation, you also better buckle up because it can happen really fast. In all of this, God has been in control in simple ways and in amazing ways. I do not know what God is going to do in you and through you during this current time of upheaval. I don't know how long things will take to get back to normal. But we can continue to praise God for all that he has done, all that he is doing, and all that he will do. Pastor Andrew started the year with a word that God put on his heart for this year. The word for 2020 was gratitude. A heart full of gratitude to God is a heart that can't stop praising. So seek God for an attitude of gratitude in the midst of the craziness. Have the right kind of fear of God that leads you to joyfully love one another as God has loved you and to seek each other's best. And remember with David that God is in control. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, Oh my soul. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you desire us to praise you because you are the most valuable thing that there is. Help us to love one another at the moment. Help us to be gentle and kind and sacrificial. Father, help us remember that you are in control and worthy of all our praise and help us to seek you and, and ask you to help us to love you and praise you with all that we are for Jesus' sake and in his name. Amen. What a great word for us at this time.
It's a challenging season, but we've got to remember to keep things in perspective. We're going to finish our time together uh, as a church online, wherever you are. We're going to finish our time by just standing where you are, and we're going to worship God. We're going to sing, bless the Lord, O my soul. And we're going to remember, we're going to remind ourselves to praise God, to thank Him for who He is through all that we face, through all that we go through, and know that He is good. He's a God who loves you and just encourage you just to respond to Him, just to pray to Him and thank Him for who He is and what He's doing in your life as we sing this song together. Thanks, band.